This is All India Radio. In the weekly program Current Affairs, now we bring you a discussion on significant bills in the ongoing parliament session. The participants are political analysts Sandeep Pukan and Akhilesh Singh. Aditi Tandon, journalist, initiates and moderates the discussion. Ever since the 17th Lok Sabha commenced on June 17th, the government has been pushing a lot of legislative agenda and some of the long pending, crucial, some controversial bills have also been passed. As of today, out of 36 bills that the government intended to pass in this session of parliament, 21 have already been passed. and the parliament has been extended until august 7 and there are some reports that if the legislative agenda is not complete maybe there'll be one or two days more extension but that's not clear yet today in the rajya sabha a very important bill was passed the unlawful activities prevention act amendment which allows the government to designate individuals as terrorists and the pocso act the protection of children from sexual offences act amendment which prescribes death penalty in cases of heinous crimes related to sex you know on children has already been passed by both the houses a very important bill that is again to be passed by lok sabha after the rajya sabha yesterday cleared some amendments is the national medical commission bill which seeks to replace the medical council of india and then of course today we had in the lok sabha another important bill the jallianwala bagh memorial trust amendment bill the main objective of that bill was actually to remove the president of the congress as a permanent trustee of this particular trust which was set up in 1923 so coming to the bills and their importance let's begin with you sandeep the uapa amendment bill has been an extremely controversial piece of legislation we saw that the congress walked out before the bill in lok sabha however today when the bill was taken up for voting the congress did vote for the bill so how do you look at the consequences of this bill this is an important bill for primarily for the reason that the government let's understand what is the main amendment in this bill the government now has a clause whereby you can actually not only declare somebody a terrorist you can ban him so i have read reports by including my colleagues uh, who have quoted of course unnamed officials from the home ministry saying that this will this bill will be used or this law will be used very sparingly but let us look at it what happens as the bill envisages you can ban an individual see what has happened so far say somebody like terror mastermind like hafiz saeed you ban internationally his organization was banned so lashkar-e-taiba may have been banned but he then opens another organization called jamaat dawa and then he functions life is normal life goes on as usual that will not happen now you can declare somebody a banned individual a terrorist and thereafter you can seek all the international remedies or recourses available to you so that is the first step that you know you the focus is on individual as well apart from the rogue organizations that they run now when it comes to congress choosing to walk out see if you look at lok sabha it really doesn't matter when you have in the for that matter the entire opposition coming along will also would not have mattered in the rajya sabha it would have mattered the congress has taken a conscious decision to vote for it i understand they do not ally but they have been on the same side of politics cpm uh, mp has strongly criticized the congress for doing so but remember that national security was a big campaign issue for the bjp and they have won this election 2019 election on that plank and many within the congress had believed that congress did not 
project itself strongly enough as a party that stands up for strong muscular national security policy. So this was an occasion where they could at least tell that, look, we stand for strict, tough measures against terrorism. Remember, soft on terror is a tag that has been attached to the Congress when they were in power by the BJP. So this is something to undo that tag, I would say. So let me bring in Akhilesh, an interesting thing that happened today before the passage of this bill, UAPA amendment bill in Rajya Sabha, was that there was first an opposition resolution moved by the DMK and the CPI and CPM members to send it to a select committee of parliament as we know that standing committees have not yet been constituted but the presiding officer can always set up a select committee. That resolution was of course defeated by about 111 votes against that resolution and 84 in favour and the Congress had earlier voted to send this bill to select committee because uh, Mr. Chidambaram, former Home Minister Digvijay Singh who spoke for the Congress, all of them believed that this needs further scrutiny. Now Sandeep has delineated for us the larger scope of this particular bill. It also allows the government to seize the properties of individuals suspected of having terror links. What's your own take on the bill? See, first of all, uh, if you look at the debate which took place today during passage of the bill in Rajya Sabha, Chidavram had some, he raised some issues about why are you tagging a person as terrorist when organization that person belongs to has already been tagged as a terrorist organization. Then Home Minister Amit Shah went on to clarify that as Sandeep said, that there have been individuals who keep changing from one organization to another. And he also gave some examples of several other countries, even UN. There has been a practice of naming individuals as terrorists. But let me tell you, if you look at this passage of UAPA bill in Lok Sabha, and after that in Rajya Sabha, there is a huge contradiction which is also emerging in the, the tactics which uh, opposition has uh, adopted. Entire bill was debated in Lok Sabha and Congress throughout opposed it. When it came to voting, they walked down. And surprisingly, only eight votes were cast against the bill. So that was also very bad, uh, you can say, a precedence which was established during voting of the bill in Lok Sabha. Even today, they kept on talking about consequences of the bill. They had so many reservations. But when it came to voting, they voted in favor. Maybe because of the lessons they learned from Triple Talak bill when despite even parties own MPs were absent own MPs were absent and some of them even voted against the party whip so they did not want to face the same situation same embarrassment which they suffered during triple talak bill earlier also Sandeep we've seen that in Lok Sabha the Congress has taken a particular stand on bills in Rajya Sabha of course there's always course correction in party strategy and things do matter depending on the numbers but the Congress party in Lok Sabha has consistently maintained in this session that these national security legislations UAPA being one of them and earlier as we know the National Investigation Agency Amendment Bill Manish Tiwari who spoke on both the bills uh, had vociferously argued that these legislations are meant to convert the country into a police state but as Akhilesh has rightly mentioned that party strategy on a bill of national strategic importance cannot change depending on the houses, right? Because there's an ideological position you take on such bills. How do you look at quickly, you know, this opposition strategy on the triple talaq bill as we all know that major UPA partners were absent from the voting, NCP was not there, BST whose support they were counting was not there, Sharad Pawar of NCP was absent. Congress party's own four MPs were not there and of course Sanjay Singh, the sitting Rajya Sabha MP of Congress resigned that day. This was all strategic, right? Yes. The government was just doing its job. The, the opposition unity is completely in tatters. 
opposition says that there was an understanding between the government and the opposition that there would be some bills that would be sent to select committee further parliamentary scrutiny and triple talaq would be one of them you heard ulam nabi azad saying that that was the understanding that they had between the treasury benches and the opposition and that is the reason perhaps why not all opposition mps were present that day the other argument that they made was that uh, it wasn't clear to the opposition until late in the evening the very next day triple talaq bill would be introduced and they were uh, hoping that it would be somewhere later in the week those are arguments or i would say excuses because the fact of the matter is that parliamentary strategy involves extremely good floor management and that hasn't happened in this case we have seen on many occasions though the opposition comes together on particular issues but eventually the government manages to get some of them away for example samajwadi party or bahujan samaj party on some bill some come together but others go away for example take the case of triple talaq in triple talaq if aia dmk navneeta krishnan had called the bill as he had questioned the legislative competence of the upper house uh, to enact this law he had opposed the bill strongly but when it, when it came to voting they had strategically decided to walk out because they are an ally of the nda now so they could not have voted against the bill so that was the best option but what about biju janata dal what about trs these are parties who are not aligned to either side so quite correctly And if you look at the rajya sabha position uh, akhilesh currently the fence sitters comprise 38 mps and fence sitters we mean bjd of navin patnayak then we have ysr cp of jagan reddy kcrs telangana yeah. rashtriya samiti so quite successfully sandeep the yeah. government has been able to woo these people to their camps on triple talaq but on the merits of the triple talaq bill because it's a very important bill and the prime minister tweeted home minister said that this is a historic legislation in so far as gender justice for muslim women is concerned yeah. also you know it is one of the promises that the bjp made in its lok sabha manifesto prime minister kept talking about uh, triple talaq bill in the very first speech after taking over as second time as prime minister he spoke about that we are going to bring this bill again so opposition was well aware that they are very serious about getting this bill passed from both the houses and two times this bill had been rejected by rajya sabha so this time they were very careful when this bill was being sent to rajya sabha they had already the floor management was excellent they had to safeguard their ideology it was an ideological fight for them and also if you talk to bjp leaders and some of the rss they keep talking about one muslim veto veto they keep talking about that aspect that these sensitive issues then all opposition comes together and they make sure that it does not get through so this was an victory for them and they worked hard they kept talking to all the parties who were totally non aligned they had no allegiance either with bjp or with congress regional parties they either abstained or they voted in favor so it was really momentous season for them and now they are celebrating and once they have done this triple talaq bill even opposition knows that now rest of the things are just a follow up it are bound to happen the way they have already managed you see sandeep there is no replacement or substitute for leadership and congress camp we know is currently leaderless and that is going to reflect in rajya sabha and lok sabha strategy confusion on the way you have to do bills 
for instance, on triple talaq again, in Rajya Sabha, the strategy of the Congress was different. They voted against the bill. In Lok Sabha, they walked out. And there was a talk in Lok Sabha that um, it is a bill that affects the Muslim population a lot. The outgoing president, Rahul Gandhi, now represents Vayanar in Kerala, which has a heavy dominance of Muslim population. So let us see how it will play out in his Lok Sabha constituency. But back to the National Medical Commission bill, a very important piece of legislation in respect of medical education reforms. It has been passed by the Rajya Sabha yesterday. As we all know that doctors on strike, the Indian Medical Association is against certain provisions of the bill. And, you know, there's confusion around it. Principally, what this bill does is replaces the Medical Council of India, which was uh, described as an irreparably corrupt body by the Parliamentary Standing Committee on Health in a very important report in 2016. This bill has come after a lot of deliberation. The minister had repeated those charges on the floor of the House. Exactly. Dr. Harshwardhan had repeated exactly the same charges on the floor of the House on the day when Lok Sabha voted. I was following the discussion. So he had made the similar sort of observations. But you know, so the entire spectrum of medical education reform is going to change. A new mid-level health cadre is going to come in, which means nurses, pharmacists and such other medical professionals can actually dispense a certain specified list of medicines after getting some kind of certified courses. This is one provision that the MBBS doctors are opposing because, you know, it's their turf. They look at themselves as precious commodities. How do you view the bill? It's very historic because it replaces the Indian Medical Council Act of 1956. This is a landmark bill because it changes the way medical education from here on would be carried on by both government medical colleges as well as private medical colleges. I was listening to the debate and it was a long and very informative debate and several doctors incidentally spoke on this. We had Dr. Kakoli Ghosh Dostidar of Srinamool who spoke, then there was Sanjay Jaiswal. There were many doctors who spoke, took part in the debate and uh, very informative but also there were concerns raised. For example, just to give you a few examples, this bill now says that uh, after passing the MBBS you will have to take another exam called NEXT, an exit exam where it will be a uniform test where all professionals would be judged on their professional knowledge of medicine. Now the issue is, there were some MPs who were from the ruling party, from BJP they were asking that what if I do not, and the same exam, incidentally the same NEXT exam will also be a qualifying exam for your post-graduation courses so some of the MPs asked that what if I do not want to, I pass the MBBS, but what if I do not want to take up PG courses and I don't take the NEXT exam or the EXIT exam, then will I be qualified enough? Actually, the NEXT exam is not a standalone exam outside of the MBBS system. Under the present bill, the final year MBBS exam it's is called, the EXIT No, no. Exam. I, what I meant is that this is a concern that was raised by MPs. They were not clear about this. This is a concern that is being raised even by doctors. They were not clear. The MPs did not know. At that point, the health minister corrected them and said that it is the final year exam for MBBS. And once you qualify, because you either, you in any case, you have to take your final mm -hmm. year exam, you either pass the exam or you fail. If you fail, you will get multiple uh, two, three attempts to pass. And without passing that, you will anyways not be an MBBS. The reason I was giving you this example, and there were ruling MPs who were asking this. So there is sort of confusion or lack of information or lack of clarity even among members, uh, let alone public in general. And the other big concern that was raised, and this was by Kakoli Ghosh Dastidar, I remember very specifically, she said that if a nurse 
or a health worker can dispense medicine just by taking a six-month course or a 10-month course, then why do a six-year, five-year MBBS plus one year of internship? Why shouldn't doctors then all be doing this similar sort of course? So these were questions that were raised. The health minister, of course, gave his reply that they will not be the health workers. The certified health workers will not be replacing doctors. What they will be doing is that in case of, as we all know, that in case of an accident, the golden hour, when you can save lives if you know certain procedures. Similarly, in rural areas, in remote areas where finding a doctor may be difficult, these health workers can actually help you deal with an emergency and then further refer you to a specialist or a specialized hospital. Exactly. So, Akhilesh, as uh, we see the mid-level health cadre being a major issue of contention for the MBBS doctors, but the government has been arguing that uh, in India, the doctor-patient ratio is dismal. You know, we have one doctor against about 1,500 people, whereas we should have one doctor for every 1,000 population. Governments have always tried to persuade the MBBS doctors to go and serve in villages. Government even went to the extent of giving weightage in PG entrance tests to any MBBS doctor that goes and serves in rural areas. Nothing worked. Okay, fair enough. Now the government's argument was that we are going to set up 1.5 lakh wellness centers at village levels. Who is going to man them? Because you are not going anyways. And the argument that Sandeep just also mentioned is that preventive and promotive health care, exactly. common ailments will be addressed by this mid-level health cadre and referrals will be done for them. You know, if there is a life-saving issue, then you of course refer to district hospital. What is your take on the NMC bill and especially on the fact that 50% of the seats in all private medical colleges will now be under fee regulation of the center? First of all, if you look at the educational reforms in the medical sector, it is really it was appreciated by most of the MPs. I was also present in the house that day. And all of them, it was a applause when this issue was, this clause was mentioned. So everybody supported that aspect. Another issue which has not been uh, talked much is, is safety to doctors. That was also a major concern because there have been some attacks on them. Yes. And there is proper specific now clause which uh, talks about safety to doctors. And this mid-level, if you talk, this practice has been happening for a long time. They are just organizing it, giving proper shape to this entire practice. And doctors have been repeatedly requested to go down to rural areas. There have been CHCs and PHCs, but most times their absenteeism is a major issue. There have not been doctors regularly going to those hospitals. Government has been struggling to meet this crisis. And now they have devised this thing. So instead of a strike, I think they doctors should cooperate and find out what is the better way to reach a proper solution to this. As I said, Aditi, in fact, as I was mentioning you, that when the MPs who get a copy of the bill, when they themselves did not know certain provisions. It's strange that MPs should actually argue that they don't know about the bill because the bill has been in the works since 2016. It has been through parliamentary scrutiny. It has been altered on the demands of the IMA and IMA is again on strike. Right. Anyway, let's move on to another very important piece of legislation passed by both houses. Unanimously this one, no controversy, no problems on any side. The Protection of Children from Sexual yeah. Offences Act, a very important uh, landmark shift in the way we deal with 
crimes against children sex related crimes against children so sandeep this bill primarily says that there will now be a death penalty provision for aggravated sexual assault against children and for penetrative sexual assault against children who are under 16 years of age plus this bill for the first time in the history of our country defines child pornography which is a huge problem in the country we are at a time when unnao rape case is being debated all over the country the supreme court has taken cognizance so it's an opportune time for this law isn't it absolutely and i'm glad you mentioned that this was a bill that uh, saw a good debate and support from every section of the house you know there was of course there were some demands that maybe further parliamentary scrutiny is required and there was no hurry to send the bill but the bill had already been passed in rajya sabha it was introduced and passed in rajya sabha then eventually in the lok sabha it got passed yesterday apart from death penalty for aggravated uh, sexual offenses against children the it also provides for stricter penalties for other offenses so that is one big improvement on earlier provisions very important provision is defining what is child pornography now that is a big problem you know this child pornography is something that so far somehow the society does not look at it as a problem but now the bill actually specifies what it is how to deal with it these are areas aditi where there have been laws before and there will be laws in the future but you also along with laws you will also need a change in the mindset because when a sexual offense is committed most of the people don't even talk about it children don't even talk about it if you had listened to the debate in the rajya sabha trinamool leader in the rajya sabha derek o'brien had a very interesting story to say he said that when he was 13 years old he was wearing a half pant coming back from his tennis class and a man did not molest but ejaculated next to him sitting next to him and he was so ashamed 13 year old boy he was so ashamed and haunted by the incident that he kept quiet about it for the next 10 years when he discussed with his parents when he was a grown up adult so these incidents actually leave a deep trauma inside our children so along with the laws i think what's really required is to change the mindset educating our children all as parents we all know that good touch bad touch this is something that we teach our children but it has to be converted into a social awareness campaign and this bill will go it's a right step in that direction poxo amendments are extremely welcome and a lot of child rights activists have argued in favor of death penalty but akhilesh there's an equal section of activists who feel that death penalty in such cases is a double edged weapon because you see when did the death penalty first come in it came in first by the madhya pradesh government followed by the haryana government state governments took the lead and that's what the center is now doing following in that direction however there is some serious data compilation after the maharashtra law came in where you actually have cases where children are still being gang raped aggravated assault is defined as assault by anyone in position of authority like a parent or a school principal a doctor whoever is in the whoever is taking care of the child but you know there have been cases where children are now being killed because there's death penalty the perpetrators may actually it's a trend which is under initial stages of recording but there is a trend nevertheless it can actually we have to wait and see how this plays out on one hand it's very important to create deterrence on the other hand how this plays out in society we don't know laws are always open to change so what's your take on that see first of all these laws as so many times ministers they have 
try to justify that they play as a deterrent, as you also pointed out. So these provisions are being made to just send a message throughout that if you commit such kind of offence, then this is the punishment. But there are laws which have positives and negatives. This debate is endless. I mean, because of some incidents, you cannot make changes, improve the law. And this issue has been in the public domain for a very long time. This awareness was happening and there was a demand for improving this law, this uh, offence against children. So it has been done. There might be some cases when this incident happened that uh, just to witness does not go against the culprit. They might have committed, they might have killed the victim also. But one or two cases should not be a reason for not making these changes. These are good changes. These were required for a very long time. And this has been done. We should wait for some time how things happen. Accordingly, we should proceed further. But in POXO cases and now with death penalty already being provided in the law, Sandeep, deterrence will only be as good as the judicial system wants to make it. Because you see, POXO is not a new act. It came in 2012. And cases under POXO Act have continued to drag. The mother law itself had prescribed timelines. For instance, it had said that child victim's testimony should be recorded within 30 days. Trial should be complete in a year's time from the filing of the charge sheet. But if you look at the ground, look at the Kathua case. Pathan court verdict just came about a month ago. That was about 17 months after the case was first detected. And you know, it was shifted out of Kathua, of course, we all know that. 17 months after, whereas the law says one year. It was such a high-profile case. High-profile yeah. case, it's under media glare. See, the ball is now in the court of the probe agencies. The police has to come in. You know, the judicial system has to gear up. Legislature has done its job, isn't it? This was in the context of, of course, another bill, in the context of insolvency and bankruptcy court bill. A similar point was made that law is as good or as bad as its implementation by Biju Jantadal MP and a very well-known lawyer Pinaki Mishra. So he had suggested that this was of course in the case of insolvency and bankruptcy code that can make this law effective only if you have adequate judicial strength and low rate of conviction, low rate of judgment. These are things that really impact the effectiveness of law. POXO is no different and that is the reason why along with the law, the government, because it is in the domain of both the judiciary as well as the executive, to ensure that there are enough number of if required fast track courts. Now the Supreme Court has already given a direction to set up in wherever there are cases to set up courts to try these cases of sexual offences against children. So that direction has already come from the Supreme Court. I think a follow-up has to be done and on a really high-speed basis, these cases will have to be disposed. Only then, because death penalty alone will not be a deterrent. As you rightly said, the other side is also there. If an offender feels that he gets caught out or if somebody goes and gives witness against him, testifies against him, then he would want to kill the child or the witness somebody who has seen him doing the act. Like the Supreme Court has uh, taken up the Unau victim's case and the government has also actually now passed expenditure and finance uh, order saying that 1,023 dedicated special courts will be set up to fast track all these cases of sex crimes against women as well as children. So that heartening movement forward. We should also touch upon a very important piece of law that was passed today by Lok Sabha Kilesh, the Jallianwala Bagh Memorial 
Trust Amendment Bill. This bill was presented by Culture Minister Prahlad Patel okay. and this was his first piece of legislation presented. What it essentially does is it removes the president of the Congress party as a permanent trustee of this particular trust. Plus, it allows the largest opposition party in Lok Sabha to be a member of the trust if the leader of the opposition position is not officially available, like right now it's not available to the Congress. But uh, Congress MPs walked out before the bill was passed, naturally, because they said that the Jalniyawala Bagh movement, the protests that ultimately led to the tragedy were all organized by Congress leaders. The trust was set up by Congress leaders and that it's unfair to remove the Congress, which had a role in freedom struggle from the trust. The bill was presented the uh, leader of uh, Congress in Lok Sabha, Adhiranjan Chaudhary. He was talking about the CAG report on GST and he wanted to read it out. Then the speaker said that let the minister table the bill and then they walked out. Jaliala Bag bill is, these are things which are bound to happen. Once you take over, a new dispensation takes, a new party takes over, there will be ramifications. And uh, this was the kind of ex officio that Congress president will be the chairperson. So naturally when this ideological shift has happened, uh, there will be consequences of that and accordingly they are doing. And uh, we should also look at the level, I mean this entire demography, the way it is changing. So much of research and the areas where they have to work, they have to bring changes, they are working on. So this is kind of the consequences of the ideological shift, takeover which has happened. And accordingly they have taken this system. Let's hope that the legislative agenda which is on the table is passed soon. Thank you so much. You were listening to a discussion on significant bills in the ongoing parliament session. The participants were political analysts Sandeep Pukan and Akhilesh Singh. Aditi Tandon, journalist, initiated and moderated the discussion. This program was produced and presented by the News Services Division of All India Radio. You can also listen to this program on our website newsonair.com. You may email your opinion about this program at airnsdtalks at gmail.com. 